Welcome to the Rock of Ages Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Duke Backus. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit rockofagesaog.org. If you haven't done so, uh, just grab your Bible, open it up. We're going to be continuing um, the second to last part of this series that we've been looking at for many, many weeks now, entitled The Beatitudes. How many of you have ever read through The Beatitudes? Yes, amen. I pray that you've been getting something from this, amen. I pray that it's been encouraging your heart and encouraging your life and just strengthening you in the Lord. And so tonight, if you'd open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9, this is where we're going to be tonight. Matthew 5 and 9 says this, it says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of of God. Let's read it one more time. Why don't you just lift your voice with me, church, and read it together. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Let's pray for the word tonight. Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for your presence, Lord, just the indwelling spirit, Lord, that is here with us tonight. And we pray, Lord, that as we get into this word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us. Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me, Lord, your vessel, God, and I pray, Lord, that, Father, my words would fall to the ground, Lord, but your spirit, God, would speak, Lord. And, Father, I pray that every heart, Lord, that is present tonight, that is watching online, Father, would just receive from your truth, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Lord is in choosing to leave us this, these verses in these powerful description. He says this, his sons would be those who are making peace. This is what the scripture is telling us. It's saying his sons are those who would be those who are making peace. Now, I have to ask us this question tonight. I want us to just engage with this tonight. Why are peacemakers called sons of God? Think about it in your heart just for a moment. Why are peacemakers called sons of God? Because the truth of the matter is this, is he is making peace with us. Amen. He is making peace with us. It's from him that we've received peace and right standing with God. Amen? It's only from Jesus. The Bible says that he is the prince of peace. Amen? He is the God of peace. And it's from that place that we are made right with the Lord. God's glory is revealed in us most fully by his making peace for our sins through the cross. Amen? That peace that we have in our life, that peace that is over you right now, the peace of God that is in this room tonight it is, is the very presence of God with us. Amen? It, it, is, it is God's proof. It, it is, you know, as, as the, the book of Galatians talks about the fruit of the Spirit, it talks about how it is love, it is joy, it is what? Peace. Peace of God is the evidence of God with us. Amen? It's the evidence that Jesus himself is with us and is present right now. But I want us to picture this just for a second. Picture the war between the sins of men and the holiness of God. Think about that just for a second. The sins of men, they are many. Amen? The sins of men are so many. They're, they're, they're countless. You know, I can't even think of, of, of just the, the record of my own sins. Much less the sins of an entire world. But think of the holiness of God and the distance there is between the two. It is a great distance, church. 
It is a great distance because he is a holy and he is a perfect God. And the only way that war could end between the sins of man and the holiness of God was by somebody bridging the gap. It was by somebody coming into that place and saying, I will take their sins upon my body. I will take the punishment for the sins of the world, paying that cost and effectively, church, ending the war so that man could be at peace with God. How many of you are at peace with God tonight? Amen. And it's a great feeling. Amen. It's a good feeling knowing that you're at peace with God. I don't believe any Christian should ever experience restlessness. You should sleep like a baby. Because you have the authority of Jesus Christ living in your life. The very one that was able to speak to a storm and tell it to be still. He's the one that resides in your heart. Christians that are full of anxiety and worry and, and you know, all of these things. I believe that they have uh, allowed the Holy Spirit to, to somehow be, 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 not be welcome in their life. And this is why they experience that worry and that restlessness. You see, you don't have any authority over any storm that you're unable to sleep in. This is why people nowadays, they're freaking out and they're, they're going crazy. And guess what? I expect the world to act that way. Because they haven't been made right with God. But the believer, the Christian, the one that professes Jesus as Lord. Listen, my friend, if the evidence of the Holy Spirit is in your life, then you will walk and live in peace. Amen. You will walk and live in peace with God. Ephesians chapter 2 really illustrates this for us. Verse 13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been what? Brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. And it goes on to say, He has made, uh, he has made the two groups one, and he has destroyed the barrier and the dividing wall of hostility. I want us to just thank the Lord right now. Just thank God right now that you have been brought near because of Christ. Just, oh, just worship for just for a second and just thank him. Just thank him, just thank him, just thank him. Just thank him right now that that dividing wall of hostility, that very thing that was holding you separate from being able to have access into the throne room of God, it has now been removed because of the sacrifice of Jesus. We should be thanking him because he has lifted off the burdens from our life. Amen. We should be thanking him because he has freed the shackled and the bonded. We should thank him tonight because he has set the addicts free. He has set so many things in our heart free tonight. You are brought near because of the blood of Jesus. Can you thank him for that tonight? I'm grateful for that. Amen. There's a saying that says this, that the son of God became the son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. The son of God became the son of man so that sons of men could become sons of God. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus. I'm so thankful for the work of Jesus upon the cross for my life, for my sins. I'm so thankful, church, that, that you know, I, I didn't go the way of, of, you know, my family lineage. I didn't go the way of my, of my you know, ancestors. I didn't go the way of, of you know, my, my, the generations that were before me. I'm thankful for that tonight. 
You know, church, that when you encounter Jesus, everything in your DNA changed. Everything about your future changed. Everything, the trajectory that the enemy had you on when you were in, in a life without Christ was, was headed to the pit of hell. But because of Christ, church, every single thing has changed. If you know just anything about me, you would know, church, and if you understood anything about my life and the family that I come from. It's not a knock on my family. It's just the reality of the situation. Drug dealers, addicts. People that couldn't stay married to one person or two or three. <laughs> and I thank God because I have no addictions. I thank God because I'm not behind bars. I thank God because I, I'm not, you know, you, know, you know, enslaved to the things of the world. I thank God that I have one wife. Amen. The one and only, yes, my wife is in the back. By the way, I heard she preached an awesome word to the young ladies this past Monday. Shout out to my wife. But aren't you thankful, church, that it was through the singular act of Jesus that every nation, every tribe, and every tongue could be brought to redemption in him. Amen? When you make peace, you display his likeness. When you become the peacemaker that he's asking you to be, you display the likeness of God. Jesus says this, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. When you make peace, you reflect the likeness of God. Is it not God's heart to restore mankind to himself? Is it not God's heart? He said, you know, through the prophet, he said, though your sins are like crimson, they're like scarlet, they shall be made white as snow. And what did he say before that? He said, come now and let us reason together. He's wanting to make peace with every heart, with every man. Don't you know that Jesus longs for this world to come back to him? Sometimes we, 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 we lose sight of this fact, church, that we say, oh, well, there's believers and unbelievers. But did you know that we are all his creation? We're all children of God. The only difference is some of us have come back home. And some of them are still wandering. Some of them are still lost. Some of them are still living without Jesus. He longs for his children to come back. And we cannot forget that every single man was made in the image of God. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 shows us this. God created mankind in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. And so the restoration process is bringing us back to his image and not the image of ourselves. You know that every single day you should be gaining and growing and transforming and changing more and more into the likeness of Christ. Amen. Your countenance, your behavior, your character, your heart, most of all should be changing more and more into the likeness of Jesus. It shouldn't be that as you get more, you know, older that you become more religious. It shouldn't be that as you age, all of a sudden that, that, that connection of your heart towards, towards Jesus is separate and now all of a sudden you're no longer, you know, you know longing for him, but all of a sudden you're just covered in this, this filthy religion. It should be the exact opposite. The longer that you've walked with Jesus, the more that you look like him. Amen. 
The longer that you fellowship with Jesus, the more that, that you smell like him, the more that you behave like him. I'm not saying that we're all going to grow a beard. Okay? That's not what I'm saying. I pray that does not happen for some of you. Amen. But here's the deal. The way that we walk and live in this earth, the Bible says in Acts chapter 17 that in him we live and we move and we have our being. If it is in him that we do those things, then it should be from him that we look like him. Reminded of that scripture that talks about the refiner's fire. How many of you know that our God is an all-consuming fire? And did you know that the process of, of refining, you know, the metals in that, in that, in that fire is, is, a, is a lengthy one. It's, it's one that is, that is, you know, goes through, you know, several stages in order to, to purify the gold, to purify the silver. And do you want to know that when the silver or the gold, you know how they know those, those, those blacksmiths and the people that do that. Do you want to know how they know when it's finally pure? They know when it's finally pure when they can see their face in it. When they can see their own reflection. Every day the Lord is purifying us. Every day the Lord is transforming us so that he can see a reflection of himself. The scripture is teaching us that when we've done and, and, and when we've sought after him and when we've done these things for him, we should look like him. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Here's the deal. The scripture is teaching us that we are when we've done. I'll say that one more time. We are when we have done. We are the children of God because we are those who are making peace and bringing others into the peace of God. Don't believe me? Let me prove it to you. In Romans 8, 14, it says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are what? The children of God. For those who are led by the Spirit, they are the children of God. There will be a very sad day when the Lord will separate the goats from the sheep. From those that said that they knew him and those that they said that they did things for him. There's a difference. Amen? There's, there's a big difference because there's a lot of people that say, well, Lord, 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 I prophesied in your name. Lord, I spoke in your name. Lord, I led a ministry in your name. I did all those things. And what is he going to say, church? Depart from me, I what? I never knew you. I never knew you. There was, there was no fellowship with, with, with that individual. Those who are led by the Spirit are the what? The children of God. Those who obey his word. Those who are, are following the voice of God. But we have to be a people that are a solution. That is we have to be people that are, are peacemakers instead of problem makers. <laughs> Amen. There ain't no problem makers in the church, right? Oh man, I've been a pastor for a few years now. And, and I've encountered a few troublemakers in the church. Hopefully I wasn't one of them, but you know. Encountered a few troublemakers in the church over the time. And here's the deal. The more we mature in him, the more we walk like him. In other words, we have to want to please God through the bringing of hearts of his children back to peace with him. I want to define this a little bit deeper. Peacemakers means to bring men together. It means to make peace between men and God. It means to solve disputes, erase divisions. 
to reconcile differences, to eliminate strife, to silence tongues, and to build right relationships. That's a, that's a, that's a tall task, right? There's a lot of things that, that he's speaking about there. And I love how it's defined because it, it's, it's, it's between making peace between man and God. Let's look at Matthew 10 because there's a, a big contrast here. Matthew 10 and verse 21 says this. Brother will betray brother to death. And a father to his child, it says, children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. In verse 22, Jesus says this, and all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end would be saved. So Christ shows us that there's clearly division that would be brought because of his name, because of his life, because of everything that he stood for. But he who stands firm till the end will be saved. That is, those who continually stand in the gap to bring the peace of God into every situation, they will be saved. Many of you could agree with me tonight that you might be the only one that's saved in your household. You might be the only one that is saved, you know, in your immediate family. And I pray in Jesus' name that your brothers will get saved and your sisters will get saved and your mom and your dad will eventually get saved. But I know what it's like to have walked in a season like that. I was the first one in my household to get saved. And I remember when I came to Jesus and I, I, you know, first received him as Lord of my life, you know, it was such a challenging thing because guess what? I knew automatically that I had made peace with God, but nobody else in my family had. And every day I'd wake up with this kind of, this passion, with this desire to want them to know the one whom I knew. I wanted them to know with everything in my being that, that, that they, they needed to know Jesus. They needed to know salvation. They needed to know his presence like I had known. And I didn't have peace knowing that they didn't know him. And I want to just stay there for just a second, church, because sometimes we're so comfortable just trying to get ourselves out of this world that we forget that there are people that are not in the peace that you're living in. We're so ready to just say, come, Lord Jesus, take me out of this place. But listen, what are you doing to take somebody with you? What are you doing to take somebody with you? Uh, how many of you have a family member, immediate, you know, mom, dad, brother, sister that's not saved? Raise your hand. Yeah, okay. We need to do work. Amen. That's not a word of condemnation. I'm just saying we need to do work. We've got work to do because, listen, we can get so comfortable saying, oh, Jesus, this peace that you've wrapped me in, Lord. I am happy here, Lord. I never want to leave your presence when our own brother and sister are dying. When our own parent is dying, they don't know what that looks like. My dad, for the greater part of 60 years of his life or so, lived outside of the peace of God. And we'd speak all the time, and he'd always say, you know, oh, I'm proud of you, son, and I'm proud of the way that you're living your life. I'm proud of the way that, you know, things are going for you and this and that. And I remember, and I would always just encourage him. I would always tell him about Jesus. I would always tell him that, Dad, there was, there was more than, than just, you know, simply you know, praying prayer or just, you know, living a religious lifestyle. And it wouldn't be until he was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and he began this this literal fight for his life that he would open his heart to receive Jesus for the first time and I'll never forget something so powerful that he said he said you know son before 
you know, I got saved. I thought I was walking with God. But now that I'm truly saved, he said, I'm holding his hand. He said, I'm holding his hand. And, and he said that, you know, in the last days of his life, before he went to be with Jesus, he had true peace in his heart. He was ready. He knew that at that moment's notice that God would say, these are your final breath upon this earth. That he would close his eyes and he would awake in the glorious presence of God. In church, we don't need somebody else's funeral to have to stir our hearts to reach out to the lost. We shouldn't need to go through another heartache or pain or see somebody, you know, that is, that is innocently, their life is taken or something like that. We shouldn't need any of those things. But it's the love of God that compels us. Amen? It's the love of Jesus that compels us, church, that, that causes us to go forward, to reach out to that person. I love that scripture where Paul talks in, you know, uh, I believe it's in, in Romans 8 or, or 9. And he says, he said, I wish myself were accursed and cut off from Christ that they may know him. Paul effectively was saying, I'll give him my seat at the table. I'm willing to be cut off so that they can know him. I'll go to the back of the line if that's what it takes so that somebody else could take my place. Do you love people that way, church? Do you desire to see that them come into peace with God in that sense? I want to make a, a few quick points for you tonight. Ask ourselves this question, who is a peacemaker? They're a person that strives to make peace with God. That is every single day you and I face that daily battle for peace and for salvation. And every day we face those battles to conquer maybe the inner struggle of, of sin and temptation and the things that the enemy brings against us. And this battle, though, that we face, it doesn't have to be a struggle, but it needs to be a daily confession that through Christ crucified, we are now at peace with God. Said it doesn't have to be a struggle, but it has to be a place of confession. Isaiah 26 and 12 says this. It says, Lord, you establish peace for us. And all that we have accomplished is because you have done for us. Amen. It's because of what he has done that we are now operating and living in this realm. I want to get into Ephesians 2 again and, and, and start at verse 12 this time. And he says this. Paul's writing to this church, and he's, he's wanting them to understand something. He says, remember that at a time you were separate from Christ. How many of you remember that time? You remember that time before you confessed Jesus as Lord. If you don't know about that time, then maybe are you saved? <laughs> I'm just saying. But you should know that time. Remember that at a time you were separate from Christ, you were excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. He said, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. He says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. It says, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations. 
His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And it says, and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Man, when I think how lost I was without Jesus, it frightens me. When I think about how lost I was without the Lord and think about where I would be today. I found out yesterday, just randomly, you know, Facebook, you know how Facebook pops up like people like you're supposed to suggested, you know, to follow or whatever. I see this individual that, you know, somehow I had a mutual friend and, you know, all that, right? And it said I was suggested to follow this individual and I remembered the name. I said, man, that name sounds really, really familiar. And so I looked at the person that was like mutual and, and it was, uh, it was uh, my, my brother's uh, fiance, you know, uh, in Idaho and all this stuff. And, and I'm like, well, how does she know this person and whatever? Long story short, I go on this little rabbit hunt and I find out that this girl that I was suggested to follow had actually passed away two years ago by suicide. And I said, man. You know, I went, went to school there, you know, for several years and, you know, when I still lived over there and, and it was just a shocker to me to, to hear some kind of news like that. And I think about how gracious God was to transplant me. I kind of feel like, you know, uh, Abraham, you know, he's like, you know, Abraham, you go this way and Lot, you go that way. And, and I feel like God did that with me. God's like, I need to take you out of your surroundings, Duke. I need to take you 2,000 miles away from, from Idaho down to South Texas, from mountains to a desert, <laughs> from, you know, you know, bacon and eggs to tacos, you know, completely different world. And God pulls me out and he transplants me and he puts me in an area where I could only depend on him. And it brought remembrance to my heart because I thought, man, if I had stayed over there, what would I be? If I had stayed in that environment that I was planted in, who would I be? Would I be doing what I'm doing now? Would God have been able to get a hold of my life? I have no idea. All I know is that I'm thankful. And I've often reflected on the forgiveness that I've received because I've chosen to follow Christ. And it really made me think on that subject of peace because and who I was without him. I would have been restless. I would have been hopeless. I would have been unhappy. It would have been a struggle to live. But since Christ came in and I've found greater peace in a person that knows the struggle and the pain, I'm grateful for his forgiveness. I'm grateful for the hope that I have in him. And the truth of the matter, church, is that anything outside of Jesus, it's, it's pointless. It's temporal. It won't last. It won't fulfill. It won't do anything for your life. It will never satisfy the longing of your heart. All I could ever want or need was found only in Jesus. Amen? And that take a huge weight off of my shoulders. And imagine the weight that it would take off of somebody else's life. The world doesn't feel that peace. The world right now is operating every day outside of that peace. There's many people, church, that, that are exactly as the scripture says, they're excluded from that citizenship. They're outside of the promises of God. They're without hope and without a God in the world. 
What a sad thing. They're hoping that their horoscope is somehow going to bring them good luck. They're hoping that that thing, you know, on Facebook is somehow going to give them some great fortune for the new year. They're hoping that their energy and the vibes that somebody's giving off is going to pass off on them. And they're all of a sudden going to be, you know, having a better luck this year. How sad is that, that to think and to leave your life up to nothing more than coincidence and nothing more than luck. Man, I want to be led by Jesus. Amen. I want to walk into those places where he wants me to walk into. I want to live in the area that he wants me to live. I want to know him and have him residing in my heart every single day. I want him to, to be my all in all because guess what, church? He is worthy of it all. He is always worthy of it all. And I don't want to be outside of that. And guess what? We shouldn't desire that anybody else be outside of that either. A peacemaker is a person who strives at every opportunity to make peace within others. I know that we can never do enough works to please God or to, you know, inherently, you know, earn salvation for ourselves. But ever since I came to Jesus' church, I have lived with a debt in my life. And that debt was to make him known. To serve him and to serve him only. And to make him known amongst everyone that I can make him known to in this world. I know that won't earn salvation for me, but that's my debt to him. I owe him that, church. And I would say for you that we owe him that. We owe him that. We owe him the denial of ourself every single day. The denial of our own will, the denial of our own ways, the denial of our own thinking. We owe it to him. To say, Lord, I want to not even think for myself. But Lord, I want to operate in every way that you want me to tell others about you. And the least that we can do, church, is to Love somebody the way that Jesus loves us. The very least that we could do is to tell others about this salvation that we have found in him. See, a peacemaker seeks to lead others to make their peace with God. To conquer their inner struggles, to settle their inner tension, and to handle their inner pressures. Romans 14 and verse 19 says, make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. The word given to John the Baptist, I believe, even applies to us today in Luke chapter 1 and verse 76. It says this, And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. It says, because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. It says, to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the paths of peace. This prayer, I, I believe, that was spoken over the, the, the life of John the Baptist is something that we should adopt as our own. It puts your name there just for a second. And you, my child, think about that. You're called to be a prophet of the Lord Most High, that you will go on before the Lord to prepare a way for him. Guess what? Every single day, that's what we're doing. We're preparing a way because guess what? Jesus is coming. 
Jesus is going to return, amen? And I want to be one of those that is on that path of righteousness, on that path of holiness, that's not on that broad path that leads to destruction, but it's on that narrow path. And from that narrow path, there is a message. We prepare the way for him to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. We make it known that there is a way out of this road to destruction. We make it known that there is hope eternal because of Jesus Christ. Amen. This calling and this, this commission is exactly what the Lord is asking of you and I. In a land that is hurting, in a land that is in pain and in anguish, in frustration. We see people taking their lives all the time. What a bitter pill that must be. They did not have to go that way. But who is telling them about Jesus? Who is desiring that they would make peace with God? It's a privilege to be a carrier of the gospel. I said, it's a privilege to be a carrier of the gospel church. Man, it's a privilege. It is a privilege. We're not that good. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're not that good. No, I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Good Lord. He all just, man, I lost it. That, that's it. Now we got to have a you know, forgiveness service because everybody just sinned against one another. Just kidding. We have to ask ourselves, does your life offer the peace of Christ to others? People that we see on a daily basis that are living in misery without hope and peace, is your life offering them the peace of Jesus? What are we doing? Think about this. Ask ourselves this question. What are we doing as the body of Christ for those that need Jesus? Do we offer the peace of Christ to others in this world? Do we offer the peace of Christ to others in this world? And finally, a peacemaker is a person that strives at every opportunity to make peace between others. You know, these people are rarely found. How many of you all know a person that's like an instigator? Amen. Anybody know an instigator? Don't look at them. Don't look at them. Don't look at them. I'm just kidding. Everybody's like, you want, you want to point out somebody in the church. I'm just kidding. It's sad, though, that I could say this, but from my experience as, as a minister for, for, you know, 20 years or so now, in various types of ministry, I've seen a lot of people in the church completely ignore the scriptures when it comes to this. They completely ignore the scriptures when it comes to being a peacemaker, and they forget to first be at peace with God. We must be at peace with our own brother and sister in Christ. To first be at peace with God, we have to forgive the brother or sister that offended us. Amen. Before we point out the log in somebody else, a speck in somebody else's eye, we need to what? Look at the log in our own. We forget about these things and we overlook these things because we're comfortable in of ourselves. Ephesians 4 and verse 3 says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Some of you come from tough backgrounds where maybe in your life there wasn't love present. 
You might come from a, from a family, you know, that was, that was really tough. Maybe you had parents that were, you know, insensitive or that maybe they didn't, you know, care or they didn't do a certain thing and there wasn't love in your life. And, and, and all of a sudden that's translated into your daily life. That's translated into how you treat people, how you speak with others. Or maybe you've, you've come from a, a family that was, that was super loving and this and that, but, but you know, you're, you're self-centered. There's something in your life where you're not, you know, caring about other people because you've always had for yourself. Think about these things, but here's the deal. You have no excuse not to love. You have no excuse not to forgive and live at peace with your brothers if you are truly in Christ. Because it doesn't matter what you've been taught. It doesn't matter what your your family history is. Those things are irrelevant because if you have truly come to Jesus, then in that place and from that place, it is Christ that holds us together. He is the bond in which the church is, is adhered to. We are, he is the bond in which we are all of a sudden, we come under this one roof because we're all here because of him. Doesn't matter what nation you come from, what background you come from, how young, how old. None of those things matter in the kingdom. Christ is the bond that holds us together. Doesn't matter what team you like, what team I like. Those are the things that cause simple divisions. Those are the things that people see that, that all of a sudden will get in the way of there being true peace within the body. But here's the deal. Peace on the outside comes from having peace on the inside. The peacemaker has peace on the inside. The one who walks around acting hostile and, 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 and all that kind of stuff, it's because they're not at peace with God. When you encounter an individual like that, listen, my friend, pray for them. Pray for them. Love them. I was that guy. I was that individual for many, many years. I can be honest with you, church, and tell you that I did not know how to receive. You know, it takes humility to receive. Yeah. It takes humility to receive. And I remember there was people that God had put in my life at, at, a, at a young age after I had given my heart to the Lord. And you know what? I struggled so much to receive what they were offering me because I thought I had to earn it. Because every day of my life, I was raised in a family that, you know, and, and I thank God for the way that I was raised. You know, we were taught to work. Amen. Something this generation should hopefully do. <laughs> But we were taught to work. We were taught that the things that we would have in this life, it's because of the sweat of our brow and the work of our hands that we would work for what we had. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, is because I grew up in a home like that where we had to earn things and we had to do for certain things, I had a hard time receiving something when somebody just wanted to love me even though I didn't deserve it. I had a hard time receiving that love because it was like I knew I didn't earn it. I knew I did nothing to get it or deserve it, but yet it was given to me. And if you want to know the quickest way to break down somebody that has that kind of hardness in their heart is to love them, church. It's to love them because all of a sudden it frustrates their life thinking. They say, how is it that this individual could love me? How is it that this person could forgive me? How is it that this person could pray for me when I have not done anything to earn it from them? And yet they still do it. And that is the most powerful picture of who Jesus is towards us. We did nothing to earn the salvation that we now have. He freely gave it to you. 
But it is not up to our discretion or how we feel on a given day to ever deny somebody else that access. John 14 and 27 says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you and I do not give to you as the world gives. See, the world gives with what? Terms and conditions. The world gives with terms and conditions. Well, I'll do this for you, but if you do this for me. There's always that kind of exchange. There's always that kind of, you know, hey, well, you know what? I'm going to give you this if, if you give me that. And, and that's just the way the world operates. He said, but the peace I give you, I don't give to you as the world gives. He's still going to give it and expect nothing in return. Whew. He will offer you his love, church, even to those who would never love him in return. Never. Colossians 3 and 12 says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. He says, Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you might have against one another and forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as he has forgiven you. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Peacemakers love peace, but they do not passively overlook or accept trouble. They don't just, you know, bypass those things. There's people that say that, you know, they love peace, but yet they remove themselves from all kinds of situations of trouble. The peacemaker of who Jesus is speaking about faces that trouble no matter how dangerous and works to bring a true peace no matter the struggle. And the world has all kinds of troublemakers in it. No matter the church, no matter the organization, there's people that will cause trouble. There's people that are criticizers, that grumble, that murmur, that want to cause divisions within the body, sometimes major or minor, sometimes tasteful or distasteful. But here's the deal. If you are a peacemaker, then you won't stand for there being any kind of hostility in the house of God. And I have to say this because it's the church and the body of Christ's responsibility to bring peace back. The Bible says how beautiful it is when God's children, they dwell together in unity. And the enemy is fast at work in the days and the times that we're living in to cause the church to not be unified. To cause the church to live from offense to offense and to be bothered by something that somebody liked or did or said. And the Lord is wanting us to operate in that way to settle the matter, to solve the issue, to handle the difference, and to reconcile the party. Romans 12 and 17 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. But be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And it says, and if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with who? Everyone. Live at peace with everyone, let it be known that as believers, we aren't always a timid people that should never respond to critics or such. Even Jesus responded to his critics at times. Find it in John 18, verse 21. I'm not going to read it tonight, but you can find it there. But here's the deal. In this life that we're living 
I want us to never forget the reason that we have what we have. And it's solely because of him. Isaiah 53, you guys remember these verses, but Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5, it talks about this. It says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that what? Brought us peace. Everybody say it with me. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. My prayer for you tonight is that you would adopt the heart of being a peacemaker. You would adopt the very attitude and the mind of Christ. That you would live from that place knowing that one day, church, that one day we will be called a son of God. Where he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Well done. Step into the eternal peace and rest that I prepare for you in heaven. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Join us next time for another uplifting message. If you'd like to support this ministry and the reaching out of others, you have the opportunity to give at rockofagesaog.org give.